So I have planning time every morning. I go to Starbucks 6.30. I take my day timer, my computer. I sit there and I think about the things I ought to be working on today, this week, this month, maybe even three months from now. So you got to really be sitting quietly think, what should I work on today? What's really vital and important? What's going to get me in trouble if I don't get it done? Uh, what do I need to work on this week, sometime, this month? And then kind of look further up. Is there anything I need to do for my retirement, which is 40 years away? Or for my health, get my physical, do I exercise, do I? And you got to start to think about all the responsibilities you signed up for in your life. Hi, my name is Evan Herman, and I'm documenting my journey on becoming the best version of myself while learning how to be an entrepreneur and developing the successful habits that are necessary to get and keep me there. If you want to come alongside of me and make this journey together, we'll be listening and learning from some of the world's greatest mentors in the areas that matter most, faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun. So join me on the Whole Person Podcast. If you haven't had an opportunity yet, you can definitely check us out on the wholepersonpodcast.com. You can find resources to grow yourself in every area of life. As we're growing, we're going to be putting our free resources up there. That's the wholepersonpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook at the whole person podcast. And then in other areas, you can just follow me, Evan Herman, on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram for more information. Enjoy the show. Today, we have a very amazing guest, former executive vice president of operations of Walt Disney World of Resorts, Lee Cockrell. Now, Lee, during your time at Walt Disney, you led a team of 40,000 cast members, which from my understanding is the way you guys use that word instead of employees, correct? That's right. We started in the movie business. So as it expanded, everybody got called a cast member. Okay. And under your watch, you had 24 resorts, four theme parks, two water parks, shopping center, basically the whole shebang. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was great. That is awesome. Well, you know, I'm sure you're used to all that introduction. I've you know, someone who is a speaker, tell us something about yourself that probably doesn't get introduced a lot. Well, I often talk about growing up in Oklahoma, which is I was born in Bartlesville, grew up in Ardmore, uh, never went anywhere in my life till I was 20 years old. I went in the army after I got out of Oklahoma. I think uh, one thing I often tell people is I don't have a college degree because I forgot to go to class. So, uh, <laughs> I went to Oklahoma State for two years. Now I'm on the advisory board of the business school there and the hospitality school. So I always have to. And I did the uh, I did the commencement address last year. So I'm saying, I don't know if I'm the right guy. I didn't actually pay much attention in college. But uh, I think the point is, don't underestimate what you can do. Because when you're 18, 19, or 20, your best days are definitely ahead of you, hopefully. That's and, awesome. Uh, worked out. So, yeah. So let me ask you this. I I know you haven't lived in Oklahoma for for a while now. Are you are you still an Okie? Well, you know, you never get out of it. Some piece. My daughter-in-law is uh, French, 
And she told me she couldn't understand a word I said for the first two years. So I guess that accent never leaves. And I still have relatives there in Bartlesville and Tulsa. And my brother just moved from Tulsa to Florida. So we were back there fairly often. And I went back for my 55th high school reunion last year. Wow. That's that's (laughs) awesome. You know, I get to be an Okie by choice. And I got to tell you, I love it. So... But then again, I haven't probably had quite the world travels and experience as you have. So maybe if I go down to Florida, I'll like that more. <laughs> well, you know, that's the good thing about travel. It opens your eyes and sometimes you see something you'd want to do and something different. And certainly I didn't know anything when I left, went in the army and then went to Washington, D.C. That was a shocker. I'd never been in a city that big. And uh, then I lived in New York and Los Angeles and Paris and Chicago. <laughs> and, uh, wow. It does change you. There's no question about it. Uh, well, yeah. t- talking about things that change you, th- I mean, that's a great segue into our first question. We're talking about life experiences and, and lessons that we individually go through. What life experiences did you have, traits, qualities that made you attractive to the Disney company that not only allowed you to take on that role, but then also shaped the way that, that you led? I tell everybody I fooled them. They thought I knew what I was doing. But uh, actually, I started with Hilton when I got out of the Army back in 1965. And uh, I was in the food food department. I was a waiter, and then I started being a restaurant. So then I became a, a food and beverage controller, and then a director of food and beverage. Oper- I, I, start, I gained a lot of skill and a lot of technical knowledge in food and beverage business. And I stayed in that business for 25 years with uh, Hilton and with Marriott. And I became the vice president of food and beverage for Marriott. And so when Disney was looking for somebody to open all the restaurants in Paris, in France, they uh, contacted me. And uh, I tell everybody when I give speeches or give advice to young people, become an expert in something. It doesn't really matter what it is. And you will always have opportunities because experts are hard to come by. And a lot of people don't spend the time to really become an expert and to really be the go-to person. And I did. And even today, I know if I, if I ever needed to, I could always go run restaurants or hotels or food and beverage. And so that's how it happened. They needed somebody with my expertise, and they certainly liked my background from Hilton and Marriott. Marriott was always thought of as a great company and good systems. And, and uh, so that's how I got it. I guess by the time I got to... Uh, Later years in Marriott, I had enough that somebody wanted to hire me even without a college degree. (laughs) (laughs) So you just said, you know, become an expert in something. I feel like that's harder and harder to do nowadays. Maybe it's just my my youthfulness and the way I'm looking (laughs) at the world. One, everything is so distracting nowadays that it's hard to stay in place for too long. But then I just also from the way I'm looking at people have multiple careers and it's almost hard to stay with the same company for 10, 15, 20 years nowadays. Well, I think that could be, I see it uh, with young people today. I have grandkids that are 23, 21, 18. I mean, they have different perspectives than I do, but I will tell you, uh, it seems to be that if the company really, uh, 
trains the right people, they hire the right people, they train them and they treat them right, that uh, people will stay longer. A lot of young people today leave because they're not getting the right training, they're not right getting the right development, they're not getting the right opportunities, the right responsibility, authority to make decisions. And young people today are not like they were when I was starting out where you just did what you were told. Right. And um, so I would say, uh, even if you do move around because you get a better opportunity, I would say try to stick in the same industry so that you you build a competence because and you got to be careful about moving too soon because or too quickly because people will look on your resume and say gosh this guy had 10 jobs in 10 years with 10 different companies he doesn't sound like he'll stay with us very long so you kind of got to get a balance in there somewhere i told my son when he joined disney out of college to stay at least five years because you'll get training you'll learn uh, you'll get opportunities you'll probably get a promotion or two and then if you don't like the company or the business you're in then leave but show stability because uh, right. we all want that. By chance, do you know who Dr. Mark Rutland is? Uh, I'm not sure I do. Okay. Uh, he, um, he was the president of Old Roberts University for a couple of years in hmm. near recent past. <laughs> he gave me a piece of advice once and I took it way too literally. He told me, you know, after graduation, get experience, try different things. And, you know, I had 21 jobs in like four years. Now, a lot of that was temporary jobs. The the um, job market wasn't too great. So there's always temp jobs that need to be filled. But I took that way too seriously. <laughs> well, at least you know that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You look pretty young. So I think you got plenty of time to do yeah. whatever you're going to do. And, uh, you know, even when I worked at Hilton or Mary, I'd had part-time jobs I'd do on weekends, outside catering. Uh, I'd work for other companies, just making extra money. Uh, and so I got kind of experience in all kinds of areas. Right. Which, which was good. Yeah. So since you've had so much experience in, like you said, a lot of different areas, you've got to see a lot of different management systems, work with a lot of different people, and, and not just different people, but different number of people, you know, with, with Disney, you had 40,000 cast members. I'm thinking to myself, okay, as an entrepreneur, I have one employee myself. So how do I, whether it's from one employee myself to 40,000 cast members or employees, what are some of the same principles that run between all the numbers that create amazing customer service. Because when I think of Disney, I think of a magical, amazing customer service experience. Yeah, well, I'll tell you the formula I think at uh, Hilton, Marriott, and Disney is number one, certainly at Disney, uh, number we hire better. We're much more careful who we bring into the organization. We do a lot of screening. We try to understand do they have high energy, stamina, discipline? Are they going to come to work on time? Uh, we check them out pretty carefully. We worked with the Gallup organization to develop some profiles on understanding. Uh, and they're very, uh, they work. And so I say we hire better. And even and then when people are not doing their job or we make a mistake, we deal with it quicker. We don't let people stay that are not committed to being great. And uh, number two, we train better. We train, we test, and we enforce the training. A lot of companies don't enforce their own training. 
and uh, managers don't want to do it because it's hard and, you know, he upsets people and blah, blah, blah. So I'd say that. And then I think third at Disney and Marriott, they, we treat people better. We, uh, we uh, basically are, care about them. We train them. We develop them. We find opportunities for them. We give them good, strong feedback. Uh, they have the opportunity to get promoted, to move up if they're good. And uh, I always, I, I distilled it into hire them right, train them right, and treat them right. <laughs> and you'll have, a, now you and I, I don't have anybody working for me either. I have people I pay an hourly rate to for a computer or a website or, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, for me, I have to be pretty disciplined to keep up with everything. And I do. I enjoy what I'm doing, which is probably the key. Uh, I like it. Uh, so I, I use a very, uh, strict scheduling system. I wrote a book, Time Management Magic, to understand how to do that because when you're alone, you know, I call out, there's nobody comes like my old <laughs> secretary did. So, but I've got a lot of good uh, uh, hourly consultant kind of people that I pick up the phone call when I need something, I pay them and I don't have to have them on the payroll and they help me and they're real experts, uh, whether it's my computer guy or my website guy or my guy who we do podcasts with, he schedules and or my speeches. I do. I have a contract online and invoicing. And I just do it myself because it's quicker and faster. And uh, so you got to you got to love what you're doing. So you have that inspiration every day to get up and go do it on those days when it's not that much fun and you're not having things not working out and keep pushing. It's I think excellence and success is pretty much a state of mind. You got to know you can do it. You got to think you can do it, and then you got to keep pushing even through all the obstacles. Because I'm sure you right. have obstacles all the time, so just like I do. All and right. We just figure them out, and we go on, and hopefully, don't repeat that mistake again. And that's, uh, I think, clarity of expectations. Uh, people who work with me know what I expect, and what I expect out of them, what I expect out of myself. That. And I think that whole time management, I'm reliable, I'm credible, I keep my promises. So my clients, uh, they, they love me because uh, when they call me, I answer the phone and I'm available and I get a contract out to them within a half an hour and, and the invoice too when they need to pay me. But uh, so it's just those kinds of things. Um, today, a lot of people don't have anybody working for them. They're using contractors or using outside people they're they're doing it on their website they're doing it online it's a whole different world i had to learn that too after leaving disney i had all these people when i said to do something everybody did what i said now <laughs> i don't have anybody to tell it to my wife won't even help me she told me to answer my own phone so uh yeah it's just uh having a passion and a good attitude if you got a good attitude and you got passion for what you're doing and you enjoy it you'll do a good job and you'll stay on it but so, you really ought to look at time management and understand what you should quit doing because you're spending too much time on things that don't matter. That's the yeah. number one thing. Are Are you familiar with David Allen? No. He wrote the book Get Things Done. Yeah. So, well, never mind then. <laughs> it's irrelevant. If, um, it, great book. And it reminds me a lot of what, what he taught in his book of what you're saying. So as as someone who also is self-employed, it sounds like what you're saying when it comes to like time management and stuff, one, you have to have a certain level of self-discipline and a love and passion for what you're doing, or you're just not going to produce the results that you want. And two, the other thing that I picked up on 
is that you hire people for different jobs that you don't do yourself. So you delegate things. So for the person that might not have all the resources, so let's take myself, for example, you know, I make a, a, a modest income. I can't afford at this point in my, my own business to just hire things out to be done. And I have to do everything myself. Do yeah. you have any advice or guidance that you could give someone such as myself who's in the same place on how not to get distracted and to keep my priority the main thing or the focus that generates income? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to think about the two or three, maybe four things you're going to do every day before you do anything else and know what they are and make sure that you're focused on those. I think you really got to have a deep conversation with yourself about where you're wasting time or people you're dealing with that waste your time. And then, you know, a lot of the stuff you can learn on your own. I tell people there's no excuse for not knowing something. You can go on Google. You can learn it. There's uh, online courses. Just about anything you want to learn, you can go online and learn it. Uh, sometimes I do trade outs with people. I'll do a speech for them if they'll take care of something for me. Uh, I do. I uh, have friends and I have grandkids that help me with my technology. <laughs> they know more about it than I do. And uh, so I think uh, it's hard. I didn't, I didn't particularly like paying so much, but I have a partner where he does all the work for me and does the podcast and all, and we share the income. We got a... a an advertiser on our podcast. So I gave him 50%. So he takes care of all that. He books the podcast. He records them. He edits them. He gets them out. We have a college girl. We pay hardly anything. And she just, she posts everything about us on all media sites, all social sites every single day. So we're out there. And uh, and so uh, working with kids in college, that you don't have to pay very much to do certain things. Kids in marketing classes, kids in finance classes. I mean, I, I get a lot of young people to help me do things, and they like to put on there that they worked for Lee, and uh, they got it <laughs> on their resume. It's kind of like a little internship in their mind. Right. And uh, you just kind of work through it, uh, and uh, it's hard. It's hard when you start up because you've got a lot of difficult things to do and take care of. and So you got to keep kind of boil it down to the ones that are really important and really have the discipline to get rid of this other stuff in your life. You know, you know what it is. It's people. It's, you don't know how to do something. It's systems, uh, whatever it is. A lot of people don't have the discipline to get those kind of time wasters out of their lives. Well, that actually, you know, my, I was thinking about the next question and it's how do you protect your time and your productivity. And uh, you just literally said it, you one, have to be disciplined and then two, get rid of time wasters, whether that's individuals or things uh, that keep you from being productive. So then let me ask well, you this. L- let me tell you one thing. Somebody told me, you got to learn to say no to people. Right. Uh, no is a complete sentence. <laughs> that's what you can't that's do awesome. everything. So you got to do what takes care of you and your family and your business. And uh, right. I don't remember who said it, but when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Absolutely. That, well, that's a good way to put it. Excellent. Yeah, right on. So how, how does an individual then, in your opinion, develop discipline? Because that's, that's an area where in my life I feel like I struggle at, that you know, I'm consistently working at to get better. But I don't feel like I have any roadmap or someone to say, hey, Evan, develop discipline this way. Yeah, I think you've got to quit thinking about it as uh, 
something happened to you when you were born. It's a learned thing like math. It's a learned thing like taking a marketing course about anything. It's a learned process. You can study it. You can read it. Uh, the key, like in everything, you have to have the discipline to implement it. So I have planning time every morning. I go to Starbucks 6.30. I take my day timer, my computer. I sit there and I think about the things I ought to be working on today, this week, this month, maybe even three months from now. I just made a reservation for October for Oklahoma State because it's a, uh, it's a homecoming weekend and I need to go to a board meeting there. And I always look forward, make sure. And by the way, most of the hotels are sold out already. And uh, maybe if I'd have booked it two years ago by thinking about it, but I didn't know the date of the meeting. So you got to really be sitting quietly think, what should I work on today? What's really vital and important? What's going to get me in trouble if I don't get it done? Uh, what do I need to work on this week sometime, this month? And then kind of look further up. Is there anything I need to do for my retirement, which is 40 years away? Or for my health, do I get my physical? Do I exercise? Do I? And you got to start to think about all the responsibilities you signed up for in your life. And if you have a family or children or aging parents and grandparents, or you got to really deep down think about what responsibilities do I have? And they're much more than you think when you really get into it. Retirement. Let's, let's uh, go. Let's go there. Relationships. Yeah. Keep, well, keep going. Let's let's go deep into that. Yeah. So I would say if you take the time to write down the responsibilities you personally signed up for. <clears throat> so for me, it's I have a wife, so I need to think about anything I need to do for her today. I children when I had a son at home, and grand, now I have grandkids. Is there anything I need to do for them? Uh, send I send them things. I send them articles. I uh, give them advice on. Uh, is there anything I need to do? For aging parents and grandparents, do I need to sit down and have a conversation with them, get the wills done before dementia might set in where they can't sign them, can't do that work? Those are hard discussions. That's why people don't do them. you got to learn to do the hard things. Uh, relationships, do I, I have a good system for keeping in touch with people? Uh, I might call you this week and flip over my day planner three weeks or a month from now to call you again just to keep in touch because people remember you when you keep in touch. and. Things always happen when you have more relationships. I meet with people every single morning that want to meet with me. Why? Just because the more people you know, the more kinds of things can happen. Right. And uh, like this fellow that uh, recommended me to be on your podcast, you know, I mean, things happen. I told my grandkids, always sit on the front row in college and get to know the professor because if he knows you, he can help you. If you sit up in the back, he doesn't know you. Ooh, and that's uh, nice. it's uh, just, I, I get to know everybody. I'm, everybody at Starbucks knows me. My dry cleaner guys knows me well. The people in the grocery store know me. I just get better things happening in my life. And I do a lot of things for people before I expect anything, before I would ever ask them to do something for me. So uh, some people feel like they owe me because I've helped them a lot. So then you got to think, other, what other things? Uh, well, certainly your health. Do you exercise? My wife and I do strength training twice a week so we don't fall and break a hip as we get older. Uh, bone density. Uh, nobody wants to do that because why? It's hard. It's easier to sit on the couch. You know, right. it's easier to go back to the buffet three times. That's what discipline. It's easier to spend your money than save it. It's easier to do, you know, not have a discussion with somebody that's doing something inappropriate. Right. You know, well, it could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be. So 
learning to do hard things. And like you and everybody I talk to, everybody has one, two or three they know about. I mean, you know, right now things you should be doing that you're not doing and you got to make those go away. You got to, I would say, read my time management book. It'll help you dramatically. Uh, that's it really, yeah, it's called time management magic, how to get more done every day. And, yep. uh, it's just a simple system. People can learn it. Uh, and I think time management and keeping your life under control is one of those things. People just think, well, it's, I was just born and that's the way it is. And no, it can get better. You can get better in anything you focus on. My, um, I had a Dean at ORU by the name of Matt Olson. He was the Dean of men. He was a head of the residential advisors. And I was lucky enough to be a residential advisor halfway through my senior year. And he had this quote, um, and this applies to women, but because it was a group of men, he would say it this way, great men and women do the things they don't want to do when they don't want to do them. And I feel like that is so true with what you're saying, because every day I have or should be making phone calls within my business to for sale by owners or to expired listings. Do I do them every day? No, I do them three times a week on average. So I'm not calling the same person every single day. Uh, but what I've realized is... You don't like to do it and I don't. a low percentage of uh, business comes out of it. it very, very low, it, but it's the way I've chosen to grow my business. It's where most of the money comes until other avenues start opening up. But I got to tell you, you know, in, in my personal frame of work, the way I go about it, making calls, not only do you deal with a lot of rejection, but you deal with a lot of angry people. And one of the things within my industry, you know, Zillow and realtor.com, while it's great for consumers, it's really disrupted and herded the the trustworthiness of a real estate agent. And so, you know, you hear the used car salesman, you hear about the lawyer. I, honestly, to God, like now being almost six years in this career, real estate agents write up their people, don't think they need you anymore. They don't want to trust you. And it sounds like I'm doing all this complaining, but what I'm trying to say is going forward, you have to be extremely disciplined in the way that you want to reach people. You have to show that trustworthiness. You have to show, you have to overcome every single objection that the culture or society has on you. So this is my question for you because you were hitting on it earlier and I, I wanted to go deeper. You said your dry cleaner knows you, Starbucks knows you, the people at the grocery store know you. How do you become an individual that stands out to all the people around you? Yeah, I think it's my personality. I was a very big introvert when I was young. I mean, literally, halfway through my career, I started, I was so, I had so little self-confidence because the way I grew up and a dysfunctional family, I didn't have a college degree. I mean, it was like I was Mr. Uh, Introvert. And I, as I got a little more success each time, I got came out of that. And uh, today, I mean, it's it's a personality thing. I I focus on people. Let me tell you, when I, I'm nicer to the lady checking me out of the grocery store than she is to me. I mean, I use her name. How are you doing? Uh, uh, 
are you having a good day today? What time did you come in this morning? And uh, I often, I give them a bookmark. I have these bookmarks that are, uh, they're, uh, they got the seven dwarfs in them. <laughs> the seven service guidelines. That's awesome. And I give them those. Mickey's pictures on here with me. Yeah. And uh, so I have a, entry i said hey hey here's something might help you here's a new thing i wrote four books for disney and uh stuff like that i had a uh you could do the same thing you could pick some character you want to use all the, there's a lot of public domain characters that are available for anybody if you just type in google public domain fairy tales it'll tell you the ones that are anybody can use now and I this this bookmark uh, gives me an opportunity to say, hey, open it up. You'll see some fun stuff. And they all love it. They go, oh, yeah. And then I get to know them. And <clears throat> next time I come in, they're, hey, hey, you know, because <laughs> they, they don't throw it away because it's got Mickey and it's got the seven doors on it. So you just got to find ways to come up to people. You know, when I get in the car with an Uber driver, I make sure I give him one, have a great conversation with him. You know, I, I talk their leg off and they love it and I ask them about their children and how long you've been in the country. And, uh, it, you know, it's just uh, amazing how you just, you got to really work it in a way that it's not, uh, I'm not trying to get anything out of them. Right. I'm just trying to get that relationship. And so I feel, comf- I read the paper every day, page, uh, all of it. So I have a lot of things I can discuss. I don't care where they're from. I usually know about it, whether they're from Libya or Syria or Egypt. or I know what's going on today. The uh, prime minister of Hungary, Hungary is coming to the White House. He's a total dictator. I've already had a conversation today with somebody from Hungary about that. So you got to have something to talk about and uh, be knowledgeable. And uh, so for you, if you want to get something like your calls, you ought to find a place like I have a little uh, coffee place I go to. It's not Starbucks. In the afternoon, I go there around two or three o'clock, and I, it's just I love the environment. It's away from my office, no distractions. Take my laptop and I go down there and get a latte and I make calls and I follow up and I, it's getting yourself into an environment. Go to the public library. Go to a little place that's quiet. Go to find yourself your own little spot where you you're happy being there, and uh, and you're not in your office. This is I have to get out of my office in the morning. I work in my office because it's okay. In the afternoon, I get kind of tired, lazy after lunch, so I go down there. I have a coffee, and I it, the work inspire, gets me going again, mm-hmm. and make some calls, phone calls, you know. And uh, I've learned to make more phone calls and less email because. Uh, somebody will send me a note and say, can I talk to you about this? Well, it's going to take me some time to write the re- response. So I just call them. They about faint. They can't believe I called them. And I said, oh, I just, I've learned it just takes about one-third the time to do it on the phone. So let's do it. I'll understand clearly what you want. I won't misunderstand you. And I've, that, I lock in a relationship with them with that phone call. Let me tell you. I mean, it's right. like... And I say to have empathy when you're on the calls with COVID. You're going to run into a lot of... Uh, your clients that are having medical problems, their husbands in hospital, uh, their ki- their kids are in college, and take the time to talk about those things because they want to talk about it. If you learn, if you hear them say it, don't blush, brush it off. Go a little deeper, and that really brings you into a 
Um, and often I'll sell, tell somebody, I have a lot of things online. I can send you, here's a little guide for how to sell your house properly. I'll get it over to you. Give me your email. Uh, I send things. I can send you some things today, four or five documents that would you, ha- help you be probably a better salesperson that I used at Disney. Hmm. So then I give you those. I give those to people every day. I got college students around the world that adore me <laughs> so, because I help them and I don't ask for anything. And five, 10 years later, I get a call back and they're in an executive position. They hire me. I just had a guy that went to fourth grade with my son. He's 50 now. He hired me the other day for his company. Wow. You know, I keep in touch, uh, ask for nothing, help you how I can, advice. And if you need me, I'm here. And, uh, everybody knows I'm available. My phone number's on my bookmark. My email's on my bookmark. My address is on my website. So just, you are, you're a very reachable person. And I just want to... I want to repeat what I hear you saying because I want to make sure I'm understanding this correctly. Not only are you extremely reachable, you are very personable. And one of the things that I picked up on is that you live with the mindset of generosity. I'm going to give to them without expecting anything back, which I noticed with your, your bookmarks that you give because even though it's a bookmark, there's information in there that is valuable to people. And then you become a person who delivers value. And then they look at you as such. And you should have learned that at Oral Roberts University. <laughs> well, since you put me on the spot, fine. Let me tell my story here. I, I, um, you, you know those Livestrong bracelets that people... Yeah, have? sure. Yeah. <laughs> so... I created and, and bought a thousand of those bracelets, not live strong, but I created my own and I call them affirmation bracelets. It's, I am thankful. I am generous. I am patient. I am kind. And then on the inside, I, I put my website. So people, if they wanted to reach back out to me in the future, they could. And I wear those. And then, you know, when I'm out in the store or I make a great connection with someone, I'll take it off my wrist and say, I have a gift for you. Right. And I, that's great. Yeah. So when you take it off and give it to them, it's more special than you taking them one out of a bag. I have right. pens that I wear, leadership pens with Mickey on them. And I often, somebody say, oh, I love that pen. I give it to them. And, oh, man, I mean, that you're right. Right on exactly what you're doing. And uh, you just got to be comfortable with people. Right. You know, everybody. The guy cleaning the bathrooms. I may be the only person in Atlanta when I'm changing planes that actually speaks to the guy. How's he done? What's going on here? How, how long you been here? I mean, most people don't. There, there's too many invisible people in the world we need to pay attention to. I feel right. bad for them. And by the way, the real estate business, uh, you have an opportunity to, uh, you've got to just think every day, what can I do differently? Like when you approach your cu- customers, your potentials, you, you, know, you might tell them right off, I know everybody hates real estate agents, <laughs> and I know we're right up there with lawyers, and I want I know it's because we're not reliable, and we don't grow, we don't get back to you, and, you, and, and I, I, I know you think that already, and uh, I want you to know I'm different. Uh, I'm, you know, you're in the Tulsa market, are you? Right. So you can tell right off, you know, I tell them, listen, I've learned my lesson. My parents grazed me right. I went to Oral Roberts University. I'm a good person. I will look after you. I'll be available for you. You know, in one of my books, The Customer Rules, one chapter is be available. And in there is my website and phone number. 
Huh. And uh, I get a call every week from somebody when they get to that chapter. And I say, what can I do for you? And they say, nothing. I just wanted to see if you really answer your phone. <laughs> That's awesome. So you got to think about, tell people what they're already thinking that calms them down. Don't try to work around that. Just say, hey, you know, I, sometimes somebody will come to see me and I say, I know you're probably nervous because of my title I had. Let me tell you, I'm a good guy. You can say anything to me. I'll keep it confidential. I won't get you in trouble. And then they open up and uh, tell people what they're thinking so you can get it out of their mind real quick. Because if you don't, they're going to still be thinking it while you're trying to sell them and they're going to just lay it out there. I mean, people talk to me and they'll say they're having a problem with anxiety or something. Or listen, I said, let me tell you what, I went through anxiety and depression for a couple of years because of my wife being sick and I know what it's like. And let me tell you what, I had to go see a psychiatrist and I still do. I tell everybody, I don't keep anything hidden. And so people go, wow, right. this, this guy, is, let's, I can trust him. Let's do that. Let's go there because I, it's so funny that you bring that up. Like two weeks ago, we were in a, a really sweet couple went out for ice cream and it dawned on i how can i put this the jahari's window where you don't see something about yourself but other people do right and this other couple like evan i I think you struggle with anxiety and i'm like huh i never thought of that but i i can absolutely see why you think that and i believe you not that right. I struggle with it, but so many instances in my life have pointed, okay, I deal with it in this situation, in this situation. So I know I'm not the only person out there listening to you that struggles with this. Let's, let's go there. How, how can you help calm your heart and your mind when, when the feeling of anxiousness comes on? Yeah, I mean, I had it pretty bad. And I think I've always had it, but didn't realize what it was. Right, uh, so same. In, it was kind of an insecurity. I got to work harder than everybody else. I got to get up earlier. I got to, and, but it transferred. And when my wife went through an illness, it transferred into total anxiety. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, uh, I worried about everything. Everything was 10 times bigger than it really was. And I finally saw the psychiatrist. And I think some of the things I did, I actually, I, uh, Number one, start seeing a psychiatrist. I saw a psychologist every Monday morning to talk to me about why I was screwed up in my childhood and all that stuff, which you go like, whoa. And uh, he, I remember one thing he told me. He said, uh, it really struck. He said, remember, Lee, your brain lies to you. Hmm. Half the stuff you're thinking is not even true. Your parents told you this or you were bullied in school or your girlfriend embarrassed you when you were eight years old or nine or there's a lot of stuff up there that you don't even know is there. And uh, there's reactions to this kind of stuff. And then you want to become successful. So you start putting on the good face and uh, around everybody. And uh, so I did that. I started doing uh, meditation every morning. I got a meditation app for half an hour. I sat and med- meditated. I learned to do it by calming myself down and thinking about it. Then I, uh, I, uh, exercised every day every afternoon i had a vigorous exercise did strength training twice a week i quit watching any television that was any kind of violence whatsoever started watching andy griffin (laughs) that's a calm there's no violence and i um 
I uh, started listening to music more. My wife and I would put music on after the news at night, uh, 7.30, and just sit and read quietly to kind of be in a calmer place. Uh, I, uh, I told everybody I was going through it. And uh, and I pointed out to them there's 50 million Americans that are suffering from anxiety <laughs> on right. medication and uh, that they should go for help because a lot of men don't go for help. They just kind of try to work it out. Um, they work it out with divorce, alcohol, abuse, sleeping, uh, not paying attention, many ways. And uh, it took me about seven, eight months to kind of work my way through it. When the doctor told me one thing, he said, every day after you work out, Lee, sit down and worry about everything you want to worry about. Just sit and have a worry hour or half an hour. And I did. And he said, when you wake up in the middle of the night, you will have already dealt with that. Mm -hmm. and it'll, you'll know that you came up with the solutions earlier while you were awake because everything in the middle of the night is worse when you can't sleep and your mind's racing. And, and uh, then I think being organized will help you a lot, knowing that you're not forgetting things, you're doing things, you're following up. And uh, as you get more and more successful, and uh, finances is often a very high uh, one for creating anxiety with people. I talk to people every single week that are having problems, and I finally boil it back down to them. Admit, they admit it's finances. Their husband, he's afraid he's going to lose his job, uh, layoffs, the company's not doing well. And sometimes they see it as my husband's not happy with me. I said, no, what it usually boils back down to is financial worry. And so I'm just trying to understand what's really making you feel anxious and uh, trying to put yourself in a calmer environment part of the day and sit and think quietly and be on top of things that you're worried about. Get somebody to help you. Uh, talk about it. I guarantee you, you got a lot of friends and family that are suffering from it. I guarantee you. Yeah. And, and you just got to deal with it like it's your broken arm. You got to get it fixed. And I don't think I'll ever be cured, but I'm better off now than I was. Because when you talk about things, it relieves that somehow. And I guarantee, and I'm sure if you go down and see somebody at the church, the pastor probably tell you he talks to people about this every day. And a lot of people don't even know what it is. Now, the biggest problem are kids in college right now. They're having huge problems, not enough counselors. They need a lot of help because they're under stress, how to pay tuition. They're away from home for the first time. I mean, college kids are really having a lot of issues. Hmm. So it's 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 everywhere. And we got to admit it. I think America probably has the highest level of anxiety of any country in the world. Right. And, and we shouldn't, if you would think right. about it. We shouldn't. Plus. Exactly. Why do we? And we're not too nice to each other. And all this political stuff hasn't helped. And political people, are, ang people yeah. are angry and... I mean, even families going through turmoil. So uh, you got to understand it's a real issue. It's not just a happenstance. You can you, can, you need to work on it, and you need watch your diet. I took caffeine and sugar out of my diet because that that makes it worse. Sugar yeah. in the brain. That was hard, uh, and uh, just getting all the ways I could to calm down, just calm myself down. And a lot of it's diet, exercise, and sleep. Those are the three. Because if you, those aren't working, it gets worse. And you know, uh, you get that is so true. Because there was a month in my life last November where those are three things I worked on: diet, exercise, and making sure I didn't have caffeine or sugar. And that month was probably one of the most productive months. And 
physically, I felt amazing. All right. Compared to any other month in my my life, just because I hadn't. And then I got off the bandwagon and started drinking caffeinated, sugary soda and, you know, not worked out as hard. <laughs> I just, I just you got to get a list of these things and you got to look at them every morning and make sure you keep them top of mind because what right. you keep top of mind is what you will do. And always re- try to remember the downside of drinking those things and the downside of eating too much and the downside of, because I, I, I used to drink a fair amount of wine. And I don't anymore. I just quit because I just my whole I feel ten times better. I sleep better. I I might have one beer occasionally, but that's it. And was it hard? Yeah, it was hard because I loved it. It was kind of ceremonial to open a bottle of wine. And uh, when I drank a whole bottle, I figure I better stop. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And, and you got to just think, sit and think. What is causing me to f- have these physical feelings? Because you got to get rid of those because they go up to your brain. You get negative, you're, you have low energy, you, you don't have patience. Uh, uh, one of your customer clients, potential clients, will aggravate you. <laughs> right. No, I never ever have that happen. <laughs> uh, that's good. <laughs> so, um, so, those are just things to think about. They're important because they affect everything else in your life. Right. So, let me ask you. You know, I'm not I'm not there in this state anymore. I was for a long time in my life where I felt absolutely powerless. How does someone in that state go from feeling powerless to becoming magical? Yeah, I think it's uh, you got to think about what it's causing it. Maybe it's you don't feel like you're have enough knowledge about something, so you're not going to make a difference. People are not going to see you as an expert in something because you haven't spent enough time making sure you are, I think, uh, making sure that you have your health good. Because when your health is good, you come off differently to people. You co- I mean, when I walk into the grocery store, I mean, I'm, Mr. Ha- I'm pretty much happy most of the time. And it's because I feel better. I work out. Ex- uh, those things start to give you the power because you'll be perceived by other people. Just look in the store when you go in there. How many people don't speak to the cashier? How many people don't really even are not very nice to people? Uh, right. I start just start being kinder to everybody and make that a part of who you are, whether they can do anything for you or not. And uh, look for ways to be different in your business than anybody else. I mean, I don't. You got one of my differences in speaking is when I give my people my speech for a keynote speech, I tell them it's for the whole day and the night before. You want me to come in early? I'll do something. You want me to do some breakouts also in the afternoon? I'll do that for you. I'll uh, give some resources to all your attendees. I'll stay and sign books. Uh, and most speakers just come in and leave. And that, that when I have these conversations, like I'm having with you, with my clients, they, they see me as different than most people they talk to. Right. So, <laughs> and I want people to know what I want to know this guy. He was so good. And I give them advice for their kids, or you could go be talking to high schools about business and things to worry, you know, and they go home, tell their parents and you get yourself a good bookmark and a good business card and pass it out to everybody. I mean, you just start building this stuff. And uh, I mean, I started doing this when I retired 12 years ago and i I never knew it would grow to what it is. I've written four books. I got a podcast. We're about to reach 2 million downloads. Awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean, all over the world. I have business all over the world. My books have been 
translated into 18 languages. I just happened because I kept on it. And, and I have this big fear of failure. <laughs> so I, I probably get up harder and work harder because I, I don't want to fail. I want to leave a legacy that I was somebody. <laughs> you know, and I think with everything you just said, that that answers the question that I, that I had in my mind, which is how do you create extraordinary results? And like you said, it's by getting up, by being a person that is consistently giving and doing things differently, as well as someone that is extremely reachable and personable. I think those things create the the um, extraordinary results. I actually, it's funny because um, here I'm gonna. Hopefully, this won't mess up the sound of the podcast too much. But I am gonna turn my computer because I want you to see this. Give me one second. All right. So this. Yeah. <laughs> you see Walt up there? Yeah. Okay. So that quote. Um, I found a picture of Walt Disney online, and you know, I, I just typed "picture Walt Disney quote" just to see what would come up. And it says, do what you do so well that they'll want to see it again and bring their friends. And when I saw that quote, then I, you know, copied and pasted that image and I sent it to a canvas place to have them print it and send it to I'll give you another one to think about. Okay. I tell people when we're talking about leadership, be the kind of leader that you hope that your children experience when they go out for their first job or buy their first house, mm-hmm. that the kind of agents you hope they run into, that they work with, be the kind of, I tell nurses, be the kind of nurse you want, would hope your mother had if she was laying in the hospital bed or your daughter, be that kind of person. It'll help you define how to do it because what kind of, you know, be the kind of leader you hope your kids have when they get out in the workforce. Uh, and I'm sure you hope that they have people available to help them and show them the way and tell them when they're doing right. it right and when they're not and, and care about them and be available for them. And it really puts a new perspective on it. It uh, does. I'm actually, you know, on Wednesday before I get put under for my knee surgery, I'm going to say that to my doctors in the room. Hey, you know, be the kind of doctor that you'd want your, your son or daughter to have <laughs> if they were laying here. I think that's a good one. And I think it's I good for all of us to remember that. Cause I would say a lot of doctors don't think of clearly enough about that. Right. Or a lot of people don't professionals, you know, when you do a transaction, give the kind of transaction you hope they'd give your mother if she came in or your sister or your daughters or your sons. And it just helps me think about, I don't know what this person's going through. But I guarantee you, everybody's got 10 problems you don't know about. So I'm not going to make their day worse. I'm going to make it better. Right. And uh, and when you start thinking about making people's lives better, you do things differently. Well, Lee, I have three final questions that I end every podcast with. And yeah. the first question is, what is the biggest lie in self-talk that you had or currently struggle with? The biggest what? Self-talk lie, the lie that you repeat in your mind. Oh, uh, well, I would say for everybody and me particularly, you're never as good as you think you are. <laughs> and, uh, and frankly, on the other hand, when you're suffering anxiety, you're never as bad as you think you are either. 
And right. You got, you got, that's what I, uh, you got to be careful not to uh, think you're such hot stuff that it turns people off. You know, I'm sure you run into those kind of people. They oh yeah. Drive the BMW and they pull up and they kind of send the message to you. You're not as good as me. So I would say I, uh, I drive a Prius. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're even. You're a good citizen. <laughs> uh, well, I I'm fiscally conservative. I I yeah. like only paying twenty bucks a, a a week in gas. <laughs> no kidding. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So what what brings you peace? Uh, I would say. It's been different in different times of my life. Certainly, peace was being recognized at work and being a big shot and being the big deal. But I would say today, the thing that peace is when our whole family's healthy. <laughs> that's uh, my wife almost died. I mean, that's a whole different ball game. It taught me to be nicer, to be nicer to her, to be careful what I said. Uh, so at peace is when everybody in our family is healthy and uh, no, we're not dealing with any major catastrophes. So okay. uh, you, I used to say... It was work and getting a promotion and a bonus and a company car, but uh, that doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. What's the best decision you've ever made? Uh, I think Marion Priscilla. <laughs> it was, uh, she has more common sense than I do. And if I lived five lifetimes and she doesn't mind telling me, and she's the one that told me many years ago, four, 30, 40 years ago, Lee, be careful every day what you say and do because you're the leader. Hmm. And I thought about that as a parent, be careful what you say and do. Kids are fragile. You have a huge impact on them. Don't underestimate the impact you have on them. And uh, that was good advice. Be careful. Treat people respectfully. Be careful what you say and do. Don't, don't abuse people. Don't, don't Mm -hmm. make people feel bad. Don't uh, talk down to people. Don't ignore people. No matter who they are, even a homeless person, you don't have to give them money if you don't want to, but you don't have to be mean to them. And uh, that's where she's brought our family. We, are, I think it's ethics and honesty. Just be a better person because we all can be nicer. <laughs> I know right. that for sure. Right, right. Let me ask you this. This is I, I want to add this in here. How can I bring value to you? What What's something that we can can do for you? Well. I think anybody that I have discussions with brings value to me. That's why I do it so much. I don't want to live in an isolation. I meet with people every single day. I communicate with people. I call people. That's where I get my energy is dealing with, like this morning, talking to you. I was a little sleepy when we got on, and I'm wide awake now. Because when you're talking about things that are passionate about, you know, so don't isolate yourself. And that's good, what you're doing, getting people to talk. uh, if you have any ideas, let me know about them. You know, your this anxiety discussion is a great one because you can start to focus on that in the school system, in your personal life, friends, family. You may notice it in your parents. This happens yeah. a lot. My you know? my father, he's an, he's a. I'm so grateful to have a a really well upbringing. He's a very intense individual, kind right. of all the time. Um, just who he is. And I think a lot of, because I'm wired differently than he is. I can't handle that much intensity all the time. And I think it probably developed. You you probably created his problem raising (laughs) (laughs) him. He would agree with that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of truth in that too. Don't get me wrong. 
when you have a lot of responsibility and you feel responsible, in the older age, people they feel more responsibility maybe about, and I'm sure there's anxiety and fear. I need to do better. I'm worried about this, this, my kids, my job, my income. I mean, they worry. And that means they, he loves you. He's, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I didn't mean to sound like I was dogging my dad if I did, because that's no, not no, no. at all. I know what you mean. Uh, uh, we run, We have a lot of people in our family which are kind of uh, maybe, well, they care, but sometimes it comes off as like, okay, it, are you happy about anything today? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the things that, you know, as an adult, I've had to learn with my dad. He's just very vocally loud. Right. And so you can just be like, are you angry? Are you mad? <laughs> or are you just talking normal? I'm not right. 100% sure. <laughs> right. Right. And we all have to be careful about that. You know, right. you can talk to somebody and you can feel fine and they'll think you're angry. I mean, or with your children, especially overreacting. And uh, yeah. so I try to always not, not to overreact. Right. Nothing's ever that's, as bad as it seems. That's so good. Today, like my son, I, I overreacted. He, nothing like major but you know i got really stern because i i gave him something to hold i said okay now don't open this i just need you to hold this well he immediately opens it one if i didn't want him to open i shouldn't have given it to him that was my mistake (laughs) but you know i was really upset and and then my wife's like evan if you didn't want him to open it why did you give a curious kid something that he could hold that you didn't want open i was like all kids kids do what they want (laughs) it's hard just like you did Oh, for sure. His, his his eyes welled up like big red. I'm like, oh, I, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Not you, buddy. I'm sorry I got mad. Right. How old is he? Uh, he's getting ready to be four. He actually wants a Mickey four? Mouse birthday party. Yeah. Well, well he's going to be four. Yeah. Well, so, he doesn't know. So, yeah, right. you, are, you actually are guilty. I am. I 100%. <laughs> His birthday is coming up in June, and he it's really funny because he knows I record with people. Um, and he actually told me earlier uh, last month that he wanted a Mickey Mouse birthday party. And I think it was like a day or two ago. He's like, are you talking to anyone else? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be talking to a guy. I'm like, how can I describe this to him? I'm like, well, I'm going to be talking to a guy who's kind of like Mickey Mouse's dad. <laughs> and he's like, he just got so excited. You're talking to Mickey Mouse's dad? And I'm like... Kinda. That's funny. <laughs> but actually, when he's fourteen, you can be more stern. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. You'll, you'll need to be. For sure, he has a great, amazing heart. So, well, Lee, great. I don't want to take too much of your time. Thank you so much today for yeah. joining us. I really appreciate you coming on. It was fun. Uh, you take care. I will. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you would, I'd greatly appreciate you subscribing as well as rating and even leaving us an objective review. It helps us with our ratings and spreading the message of the Whole Person Podcast. And now, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Take care and God bless. I created a free resource that I want to offer all of our listeners. You know, we have this ideal person 
of what we want ourselves to look like. And there's this gap between where we currently are and that dream identity that we've created. Well, in this resource, it shares ideas and components about how to not only bridge some of those gaps, but also how to be content and okay with who we are as we love ourselves in the process of change. If that interests you and you want that resource, check out thewholepersonpodcast.com. Again, that's thewholepersonpodcast.com for that free resource. And while you're there, just so you know, our friends at Anchor Marketing actually created our website that helps us market ourselves better and brand ourselves It also works with search engine optimization and other areas for digital marketing. So definitely check them out. We paid them to build our website and to help us do marketing, and we just really appreciate them. I figured as a business owner or entrepreneur, if that's something that you're looking for, you should definitely go check them out. I think their website is anchormarketingco.com. That's anchormarketingco.com.